was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. The same, or, uh, he, uh, verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not, but to as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We know that the word gospel, if you look it up in a dictionary, it means good news. The proverb writer said, As cold waters are to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. And I can't think of any greater news than the gospel message that Christ died and was buried and He rose again on the third day. What a message we have to share. What a story we have to tell to this lost and dying world. We understand that God allowed four men to have part in penning the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and of course John. You know this. Matthew presents Jesus Christ as the King. Mark presents Him as a servant. Luke presents Him as the Son of Man. And John presents Him as the Son of God. We've also stated that Matthew, in his genealogy, he goes all the way back to Abraham. Luke, in his genealogy, he goes all the way back to Adam. But John, he does not give a genealogy, but rather he goes back before there was a beginning. And aren't you glad before there was a beginning, there was a God, there was a Savior, there was a Lord. And I want to preach out of this text this morning. When I give you my title, it's going to seem like I'm preaching on a boring theological subject uh, that doesn't have anything to do with us. But it is a very very important doctrine. I want to preach on the deity of Jesus Christ. The deity of Jesus Christ. That word deity simply means that He was the pure, holy, and sinless Son of God. He did not become the Son of God. He was the Son of God. i tell you what my heart's desire is for 2024 in the preaching ministry of this church. I want to preach on Jesus. Amen. I want to lift up Jesus. And I'll tell you how we do that. We do that by preaching His Word and magnifying Him. No, not every text of Scripture uh, that we'll preach over the next uh, 52 weeks will be a direct correlation to Jesus Christ. But our verse tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I want to remind us this morning, you can't improve in preaching on Jesus. Amen. Uh, we've heard enough preaching about politics. Amen. By the way, yesterday was the anniversary of January the 6th, and we're all here and still speaking English. Amen. Had preacher friends of mine saying, in four years, we'll be speaking Mandarin Chinese. But thank God we survived it. All right. Just show 
they don't know what they're talking about again. And we've had enough preaching on politics, and we've had enough preaching on sports, and we've had enough preaching on current events and newsworthy notes. I'll tell you what we need in this generation. We need preaching that lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, that was Paul's avenue of preaching, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 or chapter 2, rather, and verse number 1, he said, And I, brethren, when I came unto you, he said, I came not with ecstasy of speech or of wisdom, declaring you the testimony of God. Now watch what Paul said. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul said, When I got to your town there at Corinth, I had one subject. I had one sermon. I had one desire. I had one passion. And that was to preach and declare unto you Jesus Christ. There's a crowd out there, they'll say, well, uh, yeah, preach on Jesus. We want you to talk about Jesus. And what they mean by that, Brother William, is if you preach on Jesus, then that means you're not going to preach on sin. But I want to remind you, you cannot preach about Jesus. You can't deal with the gospel message. You can't deal with Calvary and not address the sin issue. Because had there not been a sin problem, uh, then there wouldn't be a need for a Savior. But aren't you glad that before there was a sinner, there was a Savior. Uh, before there was a hell, there was a heaven. Before there was a devil, there was a God. And we need to lift up Jesus and declare His divinity that He is the Son of the living God. When's the last time we heard that doctrine magnified? It is vitally important to what we believe as Bible-believing Christians. There are three things here in John 1 that I want to emphasize around the deity of Jesus Christ. First of all, in verses 1 through 5. And by the way, in this series I'm preaching, I have but one desire. We're going to do this on Sunday mornings. I'm going to do my best to lift up Jesus as high as I possibly can. Now, I, I need you to make a deal with me. Y'all want to make a deal? The Bible said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. That means you can't sit there and go to sleep. That means you can't sit there like a wooden Indian. That means you can't sit there and play on your Facebook and your Instagram and, 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 and all that stuff. That means you've got to be engaged in what's going on. That means you need to have an open Bible and a pen and a piece of paper. That means you need to say amen and be attentive. Why? Because he's too worthy. He's too wonderful. I can't do it by myself. I'm just like David. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I, I, let me just... Let me just clear off the spot and preach a minute. We've got a generation of reality that thinks worship is getting a bunch of people up on a platform and working up emotions and, and getting the guitar loud and getting the piano loud and singing the same line of the song 38 times over and over and over again. That's not worship. That's foolishness what that is. I'll tell you what worship is. is when you take that book and you lift up Jesus and you begin to see Him through the pages of the Word of God and you realize that that Son... That Savior, that God, that Lord that we're talking about on those pages is the same one that lives within our heart by His Spirit. The same one that saved us and changed us and made a difference in our lives. That's who we're lifting up. So I'm going to need some help. There is a declarative statement in verses 1 through 5. John... Don't open up his gospel by saying, you know, the, gene the genealogy. He'll, he just says, in the beginning. Don't that sound familiar? 
That sounds real familiar uh, to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, John's taking us back beyond Genesis 1.1. You get a hold of that? Genesis 1.1 is the beginning of the creation of the heavens and the earth. Amen? But John 1.1 takes us back to before there was a Genesis 1.1. Now you chew on that a while and let me know what you figure out on that. We know there is the Lord, His pre-existence in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. One writer said that phrase does not refer to a start. It refers to a state. He ain't saying that in the beginning God came into being. He's saying in the beginning, God. He was there before there was a beginning. Are y'all getting a hold of this? He was there before there was ever a start. He was there before... Uh, and we can't get our mind wrapped around that. Our minds are so infinite and we can't get our minds wrapped around that. But there was a time when there was nothing. There was no time. There was no beginning. Oh, but hallelujah, there's never been a time that there wasn't a God. There's never been a time when there wasn't Jesus Christ. There is the pre-existence in verse 1. And then, not only is there the pre-existence in verse 1, but there is the proper name in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. That is not a typo. That is a name. And that name is the Word. That is one of the titles for Jesus Christ. First John 5 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. The Word is Jesus Christ. Words are very interesting things. Words are used to reveal our hearts and our minds to others. Thus, according to John 14, 9, Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when God wanted to reveal His... Amen. When God... God want to reveal Himself to sinful man. He sent His Son. And He told, He told, uh, oh, Thomas there, I believe it was, uh, one of them fellas, you read it, John 14. I can't read the Bible for me and you. He said, He said, show us the Father, it suffices us. And He said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. He is the express image of God, the Hebrew writer said. Somebody said, when I wish God would talk to me, open your Bible. I know I want God to talk to me out loud. Read it out loud. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ. Hey, let me say this. This King James Bible is the written Word of God. Can I get amen out of that? But Jesus Christ is the living Word of God. And you can't separate them. Did you hear what I said? You cannot separate Jesus Christ from this Bible. Amen. In the beginning was the Word. There is a pre-existence. There is a proper name. But then there is a partnership. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Aren't you glad there are, in verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. There are no divisions, no disagreements, nor are they demotions in the Godhead. It ain't God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Ghost. It ain't a three-tier. No, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful. Amen? So I said, explain that. If you could, He wouldn't be God. That's where these dudes get in trouble. They're trying to explain God and trying to figure Him out. Hello? You, you, hey, that Bible, that Bible you have in your lap this morning, it ain't everything God knows. But it's everything He wants you to know. And we ain't got it settled yet, so why are we worrying about what we don't know is on the Bible? 
Let, let's try to, let's try, and you're never going to master it, but let's study this a little bit more. His partnership. You know, there are a lot of false doctrines and false teachers out there. You'll see them out there that, you know, the JWs, they believe, that's Jehovah Witnesses. I don't call them Jehovah Witnesses because they're not Jehovah's and they're not Witnesses. The, the JWs, they teach that Jesus was God's first creation. But our Bible disproves that false theology. For in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. This is a book of faith. You have to take it by faith. Then you have, you have the, the bicycling uh, LDS, Mormons, Latter-day Saints. They teach that the Son of God was a divine product of procreation. That's a fancy way of saying that God created Jesus. He was the firstborn of many spirit children made by heavenly parents. Mormonism implies, like historic Arianism, which teaches that there was not a time that the Son was not. They'll say Jesus is eternal, but they mean by that He always will be. They don't mean that He always was. See how they trick you into that? They say, we believe Jesus is eternal. Yeah, but let's define what you mean by eternal. I have eternal life, but I've not always lived, Brother Charles. Are y'all listening to me? And so they can say Jesus is eternal, but they mean from this point on. They mean from Bethlehem on. No, before Bethlehem, He was there. Amen. Before Eden, He was there. Amen. Before there was ever any of this stuff, thank God, He was there. There was a partnership. They also teach that Jesus, when He was born, was first made, He progressed, and then eventually He became exalted to Godhood. By the way, they teach you can do that too. So I said, well, we don't believe in the JWs and the Mormons. All right, let's name Victoria Osteen. That's Smiley's wife down there in Texas. Joel's wife. Joel Osteen's wife, uh, she, she preaches. <laughs> let's just dissect that statement for a moment. Because <laughs> to be a preacher, you've got to be the husband of one wife. There's an issue right there. And let's not even talk about, you know, the Jack Nicholson lookalike Joyce Meyer Joker. Somebody help me, Amen. Uh, let's not even get on that. William's over there. Like, no, preacher, don't, don't, don't even bring that up. Amen. Some people are scared of that clown with the red balloon. He's scared of Joyce Myers, all right? But uh, she, I saw a clip where she was up there doing whatever it is. She wasn't preaching. She's up there talking. She called it preaching, but it wasn't preaching. And she's saying that Jesus was the first Christian ever because God, God looked down and saw him and God put his approval on him and made him to be the Son of God and made Him to be who He was. That, that, that's, that's Mormonism. That's, that's JW theology. Isn't it amazing what reading the Bible proves that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The production, verse 3, all things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. According to Colossians 1, the Bible says in Colossians 1, verse 15, that He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now let's stop right there. Let's deal with that little statement right there. Because J.W. will take that verse right there and say, See, the Bible says He's the firstborn of every creature. So that means that He had to be created. And they'll say that, that for God so the Lord that He gave His only begotten Son, that means that Jesus had a start. But remember, one verse can stand by itself, but it don't have to. That's talking about in the, in the sense of first in line. All right, think about it, think about it this way. 
You, you can have somebody that they, 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 they talk about, they'll take their, that verse as it Jesus created, but the context goes on in this text, verse 17, and He is before all things. How can you be a created being if you're before all things? Here's what I mean. For a creation to occur, there has to be a Creator. You see where the Bible just clears all that up? That firstborn in Colossians 1.15 means he's the first in line. All right, he was the first fruits of them that slept. But he wasn't the first man that ever raised from the dead. But he was that first in line. He was the preeminent, the prominent one. Thus, that's what Paul said in Colossians. So what is the point of all this? If Jesus had been created, then Genesis 1 is false. Here's what I mean by that. I know this is deep, but y'all, y'all staying with me all right? Here's what that means. Colossians 1 said, by him all things consist. That means the earth would not be held together if it wasn't for him. These pews with the screws and the, and the wood and all the materials would fall apart if he didn't exist. You can't have a creation without a creator. He produced all these. All things were made by him. It ain't that God was sitting out eternity all by Himself. Oh, no, 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 no. It was always God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost that whole time. I know this is deep, but y'all seem to be swimming okay. Strap your life vest on. We'll, we'll try to get out of the deep waters. There's a provision, verse number 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. You know, mankind has two great problems. Darkness and death. Second Corinthians chapter 4 said the God this will have blinded the minds of them. That's darkness. The Bible said in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is, help me church, so man has two problems, darkness and death. But in that verse, Jesus solves them both. In him was life. That takes care of the death. And the life was the light of men. Jesus solved both those issues. There's the power, verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Light, I read this, light is a wave moving at 186,000 miles per second. That's really moving on. This wave can hit the retina of an eye, and when it does that, it makes things visible. I know we can't comprehend this, but it's a scientific fact the way light works. In fact, when there is no light, we don't see it. It's a high-speed energy that hits the eyes and makes things visible. You know, that's the way salvation is. You were in darkness. But when you repented and believed the gospel and turned to Christ, it wasn't a four-day process. It wasn't this long, drawn-out thing. But when you believed, boom, God turned the light on. And you are no longer in darkness. And you are no longer in the cemetery. But the light has now produced the life of man. The life of God has produced light in man. And the darkness comprehended it not. What does that mean? That word comprehend means to latch hold of. It means to contain. It means to hold on to. I don't care how small the light is and how big the darkness is. Light always conquers darkness. 
you can black out the lights in here and make it look like a contemporary church and make it dark in here, paint the ceiling black, all that, but you can bring in one small flashlight and that light will conquer the darkness that surrounds it. Well, hallelujah. That Bible said the light shineth in darkness. And E-T-H on the end of that word, shine. That means it started shining and it's still shining. It ain't never stopped shining and it ain't going to stop shining. Well, it's so dark in this world. It's so bad. Yeah, but the light's still shining and it's going to keep on shining. How long is that light going to shine? I really don't know. Last time we read about in Revelation 21 where John said the Lamb was the light of that city. Thank God they may have put him in a tomb. They may have hung him on a cross. They may have put him in a tomb. Oh, but thank God already on resurrection morning the light started shining out of that tomb and the lights never went out and the light's not going to go out. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is on the hill they will not be here. Let your light so shine before men uh, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Y'all picking up when I'm laying down here? A declarative statement. But then, and I'm hurrying, verse 6 and 7, there is a dependable servant. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So I said, these verses don't fit together. Oh yeah, they do. You see, John's got done, just got done telling you in verse 5 about the light and the life. Now he's going to tell you about the man that he sent to tell everybody about that light and that life. His name was John the Baptist. What do we know about him? Well, verse 6, he was a selected man. The Bible said there was a man. God's not against women. Amen. Women was the crowning of God's creation. But God selected a man. God used a woman to bring His Son into the world and through the womb of Mary. But God used a man to declare His Son to the world. He was a selected man. He was prophesied about in Isaiah 40. He would be the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. He was a selected man. He was a sent man. There was a man sent from God. You sent me the verse this week. How shall they call upon Him and whom they've not believed? And how they shall believe on Him and whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? I understand that context. It's talking about the church sending out preachers. But aren't you glad God sent the first one? I know. Amen. John's interesting. i got to move on. John's an interesting character. He shows up at the end of the Old Testament prophets introducing the New Testament preacher. He's kind of his own thing. He's got a foot in both dispensations, if you would. Oh, but aren't you glad God used a man to bring this testament and bring that testament together. And all he was doing, he was pointing back to the prophecies. But he took them from the, he took them from the shadow to the substance. He took them from the prophecy to the person. He took them for the forerunner to the faith. He took them, uh, amen, from, from that one that was prophesied that would come uh, to behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He was a sent man. He was a, he was a, a specific man. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, John's name means this. Jehovah is a gracious giver. I want to say thanks being to God for His unspeakable gift in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to thank God for every gospel preacher that He sent. And I'm not saying this because I'm the pastor. But I'm glad for every preacher He sent behind the pulpit with a Bible 
and a touch of God and a word from God to declare to sinful man that Christ will receive sinful men. He was a sure man. Verse 7 and 8. The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. John shows up. We can look in verse number 19 of this same chapter. John shows up and they begin to ask him if he was the Christ. He said no. And they said, are you alive? And he said no. And are thou that, are thou that prophet? He said no. And they said, well, who are you? In verse 23 he said, I'm the voice. I'm the voice for the word. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Amen. You know, I get I gotta slow down here and preach, but I gotta move on. I got so much material, but I'm feeling pretty good about this. We hear people talking about, boy, this world's so bad. It's so ugly. Did you see this? Did you see I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But God's always had a word. And God's always had a man to declare that word. Can I can I illustrate that further? During the tribulation period, it's gonna be hell on earth. But God's going to have 144,000, not Jehovah Witnesses. He's have 144,000 young virgin Jewish evangelists that will go out through this world, not to mention the two witnesses of Revelation 11, who I believe are Moses and Elijah. I wouldn't fight with you over that. But they're going to be preaching. They're going to be declaring. God's going to have an angel flying through heaven preaching the everlasting gospel. Hey, hey, man, there's never going to be a time when His Word will not be going forth. I don't care how dark it gets. I don't care how bad it gets. By the way, that's when the Antichrist is on the throne. So I think we're going to be okay with Sleepy Joe. Somebody help me. For years, people wonder, who's the Antichrist? I remember for years, preacher preached it was Obama. I ain't heard one preacher preach that it's Biden. I ain't heard one guy say, I believe Biden's the Antichrist. No, I believe the Antichrist can find his way off the stage. Somebody help me, all right? It ain't going to be no worse in the tribulation period. Thank God the church is gone. But, that, but it may be bad then, but God's still going to have his word going forth. Amen. Here's the last thing. There's a declarative statement of dependable servant. But then there is a doctrinal summary. What do you mean by that? Well, verses 11 through verses 9 through verse 14. In this doctrinal summary, there's the revelation of the Son. Verse 9. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh to the world. What does this mean? God gives every man a measure of light through conscience and through creation. God has given every man a conscience and God lets every man see creation. And I believe how a man responds to that light, if that man will respond in faith, God will give him more light. One writer said, Christ is to the souls of men what the sun is to the world. He is the center and source of all spiritual light. Like the sun, he shines for the common benefit of all mankind, for the high and for the low, for the rich and the poor, for the Jew and the Greek. Like the sun, he's free to all. All may look at him and drink the health of his light. If millions of mankind were mad enough to dwell in caves underground or to bandage their eyes, their darkness would be their own fault and not the fault of the sun. 
God's put, his, God's put His Son out there for every man. The Bible said, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. They can cover up their eyes. They can live in obscure if they want to, but they do so by choice. There is the reach of the Savior. Verse 10. Boy, I hope you got a hold of that. Boy, that's a deep truth. The light is shining. And all they got to do is look and live. There's the reach of the Savior. Verse 10. He was in the world. And the world was made by Him and the world knew Him not. John preached it, Christ declared it, and some still didn't get it. It is not up to me to produce results. If it was up to me to produce results, Brother Gene, we'd be in a mess because I, you know, I can't, I can't sell anything to nobody. I'm a terrible, I've tried, when I was a teenager, I worked in sales a little bit on the side. I mean, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't sell ice to uh, somebody in Siberia or in a, uh, Sahara Desert. I mean, I, I couldn't. I'm just, here, you want some. <laughs> like that one fella said, he used to go up selling vacuum cleaners, knock on the door and say, you wouldn't want to buy a vacuum cleaner, would you? <laughs> Not very. That's me, okay? Some people still don't. But I can't produce results. I have to preach the message confront people with the truth and they have a responsibility to respond that's not just in salvation that's anything that's preached behind this pulpit truth will be declared you've got a responsibility to respond to it verse 11 there's the rejection by the sinners he came into his own and his own received him not why did they do that i won't take time to preach all these verses this morning but you know why john 3 says that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil you know why they want to stay in the dark they love the darkness they love the darkness and the secrecy that it brings. I love verse 12, though. There's the reception of some, but to as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. That contextually, which I found out apparently is my favorite word to use, my wife said. Verse 11 is talking about the Jews. He came into his own. And the Jews, the nation, there were individual Jews that accepted him. But nationally, Israel rejected him. And he could have went back to heaven. But I love verse 12. But to as many as would receive him. I'm glad I'm one of those. <laughs> if you're saved, you're in verse 12. Don't get too excited. I'm glad I'm one of the many, aren't you? Unto you which believe, therefore he is precious. Gave he the power to become the sons of God, and then to believe on his name. There's the redemption of the sinners, last of all, verse 13 and 14. Which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. This ain't a physical birth, but of God. He will, he will further clarify that when he deals with Nicodemus in John 3. He said, he said, can a man enter the, Nicodemus said, can a man enter his mother's womb the second time and be born? Jesus said, no, 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 you got it all wrong. He said, I'm going to be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Nicodemus, you've already had a physical birth. You need to have a spiritual birth. You must be born again. And the word, verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 14 ends this summary with a very important doctrinal truth. I've heard people say this, and I know they mean well, but they're incorrect. I say, praise God, Jesus left heaven. He laid aside that deity. He laid aside that Godship. And he put on a robe of flesh and come down to earth. You listen to this preacher. He did not quit being God. He did, he did not quit. Come here, Daxton. He did not quit being the Son of God. It's like Daxton, this shirt, this pink shirt, represents deity. He did not take it off. But here's what he did. He wrapped himself in human flesh. 
He's still God under there. He didn't quit being God. But he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. But up there on Mount Transfiguration, Matthew 17, that glory was revealed. By the way, John, Peter, James, and John, they slept through the blessed thing. But if they'd have stayed awake, they got to see him for who he really was. He didn't stop being God. He's always been God and he always will be God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And John said, and we beheld his glory. Peter will later say, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We beheld his glory. It was the glory of the only begotten the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, let's summarize all this for this. The deity of Jesus Christ. What is that so important? Because if Jesus had been a human, if Jesus had been an ordinary man, then we're still in our sins. Because God demanded a perfect sacrifice. But he sent his perfect son to die on the cross for our sins. And not only did he die, but he rose again on the third day. I'm glad I know Jesus this morning, don't you? Let's stand this morning. I appreciate your attention. Brother Matthew's going to come and play a verse of invitation. If you're here this morning, you've never been born again. You've never been saved.